Hi, and welcome to Tech Talk, where we take a look at what's going on in technology news and weigh in with our insights. I'm Ken Mingus, executive editor at Computer World. I'm here with video content producer Juliette Beauchamp and CIO's Sharon Florentine. It's Women's History Month, which is a great time to talk about women in IT. So that's what we're going to be looking at. Stick around. Okay, so Sharon, hey, thanks for being here. Women's, Thank you. Women's History Month, women in IT, a perennial yeah. issue and a perennial problem for women in IT. So we yeah. thought it'd be a good chance to talk to you and get an idea for sort of where things stand and who out there in tech land may be doing it right. Thoughts? <laughs> so many thoughts. Yeah. This is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Um, I blog about this uh, every about every other week at uh, Diverse IT and uh, try to write as much as I can about the issue for CIO. But um, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been two years, almost to the day, since Susan Fowler's blog post heard around the world where she called out the extremely toxic culture at Uber and uh, her blog post set off a something of a, a chain reaction in tech. Um, it really opened the floodgates for a lot more awareness of the lack of diversity and inclusion in the industry. Um, but you know, two years on, how much progress have we really made? Um, it's we're still fighting a lot of double standards. We're still grappling with a lack of women and other underrepresented minorities. Um, I don't particularly like that term, but it, it works as a kind of a blanket statement. Um, tech is still very much a white male game at this point. Um, in fact, I was just reading a, a piece um, about how humor, when used in the workplace by men, is is seen to increase men's status. It's a signifier of better job performance and leadership capability. But um, the opposite happens when women use humor in the workplace. Um, it, it leads to lower ratings of perceived status, perceived job performance, and also it tends to signify diminished leadership capacity isn't that you know um, oh i was just going to jump in real quick of course i don't sure. want to do the mansplaining thing here but uh, uh <laughs> no no i mean you make the point and it's not just humor you know i mean I, i've seen the same sorts of studies that um you know for um a, a male boss who is strong-willed and domineering and whatever that's considered a a good thing and hard charging and success-driven, and yet if you've got uh, a woman boss who has the same qualities, it, that it tends to be looked at as negative. You know, she's hard to get along with, no one can work with her. I mean, and it's a double standard that just seems to permeate not just women. I mean, it's obviously women in tech, but also, you know, across the workplace. And I just wonder, you know, with that sort of perception, how, how can companies go about changing that? You know, I mean, it, it, obviously person to person to person, but I mean, companies, there has to be a cultural shift here, I think. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, your, your points are unfortunately right on the money. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely that double standard. Um, 
So a lot of companies in the last two years have, have realized not just that greater emphasis on diversity inclusion is the right thing to do as a, as a society, as a company, as individuals, but that there are a lot of studies that, that really prove with hard data that, that companies with greater diversity and inclusion show better performance, they, um, there's a statistically significant correlation between diversity in their workplace and diversity in leadership and better financial performance as well. Uh, McKinsey did a great study back in 2015 and they followed up on it last year in 2018. And that showed that companies in the top quartile for ethnic diversity at the executive level are 33% more likely to have above average profitability than companies in the bottom quartile. And when it comes to gender diversity, companies in the top quartile are 21% more likely to have above average profitability. So there's definitely a business case there, but there's also the just the general societal moral case for doing what's right. Uh, so Intel has done a great job in this area. Uh, back in 2015, they set some pretty aggressive goals for themselves as a company in that they were trying to achieve full representation in their workforce by the year 2020. So what that means is Intel's workforce would accurately reflect the same percentages of women, black, uh, Latinx, Asian, LGBTQ, and Native American workers as occurs in the U.S. population as a whole. So that was that's pretty aggressive. Um, and they beat that goal. Um, they actually achieved full representation in their work in their workforce last year. So two years early, um, if you're as bad at math as I am. Um, so how did they do that? They, first of all, they set the goal and then um, they took a number of different approaches to doing so. They've got aggressive sourcing and recruiting strategies that go out and look for underrepresented talent in a variety of places coming out of boot camps, um, different colleges and universities. They have a very aggressive on-campus recruiting program. Um, they do things like their Native American coders program, which works on reservations in the U.S. to get Native American teenagers involved in tech. And um, there's actually, I wrote a, a blog post about that program recently. Um, so you can check that out for more details. Um, so they really approached it as a, in a holistic way. They weren't just um, looking at a, a single pronged approach. Um, they've got employee resource groups. Um, it's 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 a really holistic, full program. Um, the the other company that I'm familiar with is uh, Capital One. And Capital One focused on diversity and inclusion as a way to further facilitate a 
digital transformation efforts that they're going through. Um, and again, I, I have a case study that I wrote about this. You can you can check that out as well. But um, you know, they also took a very holistic approach. Um, they have different women in tech chapters across all of their different campuses worldwide. Um, they do a lot with um, early education, elementary education programs to encourage more women and underrepresented minorities to get into tech. Um, and they also do a lot of great measurement against the goals that they've set. So they're tracking um, their workforce demographics, um, both their current workforce and in recruiting and sourcing. Um, and it's also from the top down, from the executive levels, as well as from the bottom up. So they have a lot of grassroots diversity and inclusion groups that work together. <clears throat> Excuse me. But also all of the executive teams are on board and understand what the goals are and why they're important to business performance and also to digital transformation. Um, and then finally, ThoughtWorks is a consulting company with uh, offices across the U.S. They have in across the U.S. in a lot of major cities, Philadelphia, which is where I'm based, um, New York, Chicago. And um, they have a really interesting approach because their, their viewpoint is that you don't necessarily need to have a hard technical background to be successful in this field. So one of the more interesting aspects of ThoughtWorks is that you can sort of create your own job at ThoughtWorks. Um, you can present the skills and experience that you have and then kind of make a pitch to them about this is what I would like to do in tech with my specific skills and experience. And if they have a, a place that you would fit in well, then you can you know, join their organization and kind of create your own role. Um, and so that's one way that they've been really successful with diversity as well. That's really awesome and really great. And it's encouraging as just a person who works to hear that companies are really taking advantage of diversity and inclusion measures. And on top of that, that there's real reason to do so. There's real tangible growth and tangible benefits that can come for all businesses. That being said, it's not as though every single business has such aggressive measures in place, such as Intel and Capital One and ThoughtWorks. So what can businesses be doing to implement diversity and inclusion practices and then hopefully see these tangible, like wonderful results? Great question. So um, a lot of a lot of this starts with understanding both the the moral and societal imperative, but also, you know, sometimes the only thing that's going to get through to executives is that business case. So you can start out by, um, you know, referencing these studies and presenting case studies that prove and show that businesses like Intel or Capital One or others have seen business performance improvements in this area. Um, so then once that case is made, 
um, you can start by forming or expanding upon, if you already have, um, ERGs or employee resource groups for you know, your LGBTQ employees to have a space where they can get together and share issues and trade tips and, and really just vent. Um, it's That's really important. And that doesn't necessarily have to have its own business imperative, but that's kind of the inclusion part, right? Feeling that you're, you're understood, you're accepted, and you're valued for who you are. Um, and then that can have kind of a ripple effect into the greater workforce. You know, people are more comfortable bringing their authentic selves to work because they know that there are others in the workforce that are going to understand their concerns and the challenges that they face and be able to help them overcome that. Um, so employee resource groups are a great um, initiative, being able to show that business case um, you can also start encouraging sponsorships or partnerships with organizations like Black Girls Code, Women Who Code, um, Lesbians Who Tech is an awesome organization and they do super fun, really inclusive events in a bunch of different cities. Um, so that's another way to set up strategic partnerships with nonprofits and organizations that might be in your city. And um, let's see, let me just pause there and go down here to my other notes. Sorry. No, no. While, you know, while you're looking at your notes, I just wanted, okay. wanted to weigh in with an observation. And it, it just seems like, you know, there is, of course, the moral issue. And I wonder sometimes if that is the emphasis that is made when it comes to seeking diversity and the bottom line issue, which might be the one that actually moves companies to be smarter about this, you know, it needs to be talked about more, making making the point that this is not only a moral uh, imperative, but it's a smart thing to do for the company, you know? And it's interesting right. that the, you know, the way you've been describing these companies, they, they do take this multifaceted approach. The whole point is to have a happy employee who enjoys their job and will theoretically then do a better job for you, which is going to be good for the company. I don't understand why this isn't common sense, you know? Again, just an observation right. based on what you're saying and what you've been seeing and reporting, then, uh, uh, you know, really a question. But anyway, let me let me let you get back to your what you were saying. No, and that's a good, that's actually a really great point. And it, it feeds into to Juliet's question as well, because so many companies, especially in tech, where you're facing a skills gap and they're having problems finding people with the right tech skills and the right soft skills. So engagement is a huge, huge concern. Um, and that's absolutely one way to improve your employee engagement and, and therefore your retention. Um, so yeah. It's it's kind of a no-brainer, right? <laughs> should be. Seems to be. It Ought to be. be. Yeah. It should be. And of course we know um, that's not the case. So yeah, back to your question. Um, I mean, really, those are those are some pretty easy first steps that companies can take. Um, another another issue to to think about is that you know while you're trying to measure this and 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 make sure that you're achieving these goals, it's it's also important to remember that meeting a quota 
or, you know, just saying and being able to point to, oh, look, we have 14 black women in this particular department, that does not necessarily, nor should it, mean that you have met your goal and now you can kind of ignore it for the next, you know, 12 months or the next quarter or whatever, because that's, that's not really the point. I mean, that, that speaks to your question, Ken, about, um, you know, making sure that employees are happy because numbers are one thing, but making sure that, that the, the employee experience and that people are actually, um, engaged and feel supported and included in the workplace is, is another story altogether. Yeah. Agreed. Great. Thank you so much, Sharon. Really interesting insights and certainly timely because of Women's History Month. And it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, this is going to be something that's going to take years. This diversity and inclusion doesn't happen overnight, but it's going to be really interesting to see what steps the tech industry and just business at large take in the coming years to really make sure that they're promoting an equal and equitable workplace. Yeah, agreed. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Sharon. Yep. And thanks, everyone, for watching this episode of Tech Talk. If you like this video, be sure to give it a like and subscribe to our channel. And if you are really interested in this discussion around women in IT and women in tech, be sure to check out the IDG Tech Talk Twitter. That's just at IDG Tech Talk, where we have are going to have Twitter chats every Thursday this month surrounding discussion about women in IT. And I will be moderating the one this Thursday, the 14th, which fittingly is on women in IT leadership. So be sure to check that out on Twitter. I'll be there. Thanks so much for watching and we'll see you next time.